Philippians chapter 4, would you take the Word of God and turn there, please? We'll read responsively verses 10 through 13. I'll read out loud verse number 10, and then if you'd respond by reading verse 11. And we'll continue in that pattern and conclude at a very familiar verse, that is verse 13. Philippians 4, verse number 10, the Bible says, But I have rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Let's pray together. So, Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the practicality of it, the profitability of it. Father, I do pray that you would use me to communicate these truths in a way that honors you and strengthens these, your people. And Father, for those that are here that are not your people, they're, they're not saved, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you. I pray that today would be the day that they become a Christian, that they realize they're a sinner, and that they need you as their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, by your Spirit and uh, through the preaching of your word and the fellowship of these redeemed, I pray that individuals would come to know you as their Savior. So, Father, we are here because of the gospel, and uh, this morning we will focus on many of the implications of the gospel. So help us to approach that text with these things in mind. Please do all these things for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated, please. So I want to preach a message this morning with this title, and that is Cultivating Confidence. Now some of you say, Pastor Johnson, you did that last week. Well, um, yes, I did, but this is part two, as you see on the slide behind me. So Cultivating Confidence, part two. And I will allude to some things that I said in part one. Those of you that weren't able to be here for part one, there is an archive of that sermon available. So I may just touch on some things that you might think need to be developed further. Um, and I'm suggesting that very likely they were developed further in part one, okay? So here we are, Cultivating Confidence, part two. Um, and I really just want to draw out the idea of, in a very practical way, of what it means to have a God confidence and in a real practical way, recognize that confidence is something that can be cultivated, can be and should be pursued. If you sit here today battling with the idea of confidence, there is hope. Because with the help of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to these timeless truths, confidence is something that can be cultivated. As confident of a statement as you'll ever find in Scripture, you find in verse number 13 of Philippians chapter 4. It's a confident statement to say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
It's a confident verse. It's a confident statement. It is a bold declaration. And yet here we are in the 21st century, and it is among those verses that is the most commonly attributed to circumstances or situations, but commonly attributed inaccurately. And so within its context, I want us to consider this confident statement, famous confident statement here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And so if we are going to cultivate confidence this morning, it requires four things. Um, A selective list this morning, not a comprehensive list, but hopefully a helpful and certainly a biblical list. I give them to you now, these four ideas, and then we'll walk through them uh, from the text this morning. So here's the four ideas. Cultivating confidence requires leaving your comfort zone. Then secondly, learning contentment. Thirdly, then this morning, we will understand that cultivating confidence requires leaning into a can-do mindset. And then fourthly, it requires living for a greater cause. These are really practical truths right from this text that I think will help all of us as we battle with a lack of confidence, as we battle with times of insecurity in our lives. So the first idea this morning, if you want to cultivate confidence, it requires leaving your comfort zone. And, and that is definitely in view here in this text. Um, and yet, contrastingly, if we're honest, most of us, we're not pursuing the idea of leaving our comfort zone. No, 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 we're intimidated by that. I mean, we're insecure about that. And so instead, most of us are pursuing a life of convenience. Uh, very commonly, people are interested in the road of least resistance when it comes to situations in life. And yet, you have to leave your comfort zone in order to become comfortable in situations. In order to become confident, you have to vacate the comfortable circumstances of your life. And any realistic human estimate of Paul's writing to the Philippian believers, you would be forced to admit that Paul has had many out-of-his-comfort-zone kind of circumstances. I mean, after all, don't forget that as he writes to these Philippian believers, he's writing from Roman prison. Over and over in this text, he talks about his bonds. I mean, chained to a Roman guard, a Roman soldier. He is not at liberty to do all the things that his freedom afforded him previously. No, He's in one of those out-of-his-comfort-zone kind of experiences. And what's interesting, too, as he elaborates on him being out of his comfort zone, he says he knows some things uh, here in verse number 12. And if you recollect from part one, we emphasize that one of the keys to confidence is in direct correlation to knowing some things, having knowledge about some things. And Paul elaborates on this idea of the importance of knowledge in relationship to being a confident Christian. And so you see the word know in verse number 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. And the idea of being instructed is also the idea of gaining knowledge. Um, And so over and over in this text, more than even the passages to which I specifically referred, I mean even in verse number 11 where he has learned in whatsoever state. 
I mean, so it's, it's the idea of gaining knowledge, you know, learning and being instructed, and now he knows some things. And what I want to highlight under this heading is that he knows, he has learned how to be comfortable even outside of his comfort zone. How to be confident even outside of his comfort zone. He says, I know how to be abased. It's the idea of being brought low. Again, any realistic human estimate of Paul's life, at least in this specific circumstance, you gotta admit, he's in a brought low kind of circumstance. And, and it doesn't just say, in general, he's experienced some circumstances that brought him low. No, 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 no. In specific, it's, it's, it's saying he knows how to conduct himself in those circumstances. In specific, it's implying that he knows how to be confident when he's brought low. He says, I've been instructed about how to conduct myself when I'm hungry. Um, I have been instructed about how to suffer need in the right way. As opposed to just free-falling in life and the anxiety levels ratcheting up and, in the, insec and the insecurity overwhelming his soul. No, 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 no. Those are not things that are describing his mental state. Yes, he is out of his comfort zone as he's abased and hungry and suffering need. But he's saying to the Philippian believers, I know how to navigate these things. He's saying, I have knowledge about these out-of-my-comfort-zone experiences. Uh, pastor Bert uh, Bunner is a pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Coatesville, uh, which, interestingly, Brother Zach uh, Melvin, where is Zach Melvin? Zach Melvin grew up out there in Coatesville at Grace Baptist Church. But uh, Pastor Bert uh, reminded me of a quote that speaks to this truth. And that is a quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon said this, that confidence is the child of experience. Now think about that with me for just a moment. Paul has had these out of his comfort zone experiences. And yet, and yet he has fostered confidence. I mean, uh, these experiences have brought about, have birthed his confidence. Because after all... He knows how to be abased and how to be hungry and how to suffer need. What I'm saying is you have to persevere through the intimidating and uncertain circumstances of life in order to find your confidence. I'm saying this, that the things that rob you of your confidence are the same things that can cultivate your confidence. Now let that sink in for just a moment. I mean, before you are able to, to, to do something with a kind of God confidence in your heart, you have to first do something. You have to have an experience in order to gain confidence in another experience. You have to let your heart flutter just a little bit in the first time you do it and recognize that's just part of your human propensity so that one day your heart flutters a whole lot less as you face that which makes you uncomfortable. The things that sometimes rob you of your confidence are the same things that can eventually cultivate your confidence. Um, so I'm saying, remember that before 
your, and I allude to what I taught previously from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Remember that before you're confident enough to be a giant slayer, you know, the story of David and Goliath. You've got to first encounter a lion and a bear. You're going to have to uh, protect your father's sheep before you have the confidence to defend your king's country. You've got to leave your comfort, comfort zone initially so that later on you can do big things and have that kind of God confidence. Um, Brother Paul just sang the special and he did a wonderful job. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Wonderful job singing about uh, what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And he does have this recital coming up. And yesterday at men's prayer breakfast, he shared publicly um, a prayer request. Pray for him as he does this musical recital. And uh, it is natural for him to view that as a daunting task that would require uh, brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ praying for him. It's an intimidating thing anytime you stand before people to speak or to sing uh, or to uh, provide some kind of service. It's natural. Uh, but, but you're going to have to leave your comfort zone those of you that are doing things that are out of your comfort zone, you leave your comfort zone maybe to do a musical recital before you get to travel the country singing for God's glory and for the benefit of his people. Now, Dr. Gibbs, doctor and doctor, Gibbs, Ray and Ann Gibbs both have doctorates. They have done just that. They have traveled the country. I don't know about your college recital, music recital, Dr. Gibbs, uh, either of you back in the day. I don't know the details of that. But you got to do the thing at college before you, can, before you can do the giant slaying kind of stuff. Before you can be greatly used of the Lord to point people to him, to exalt him in song, you got to do the, you know, you got to wrestle with the lion and you got to wrestle with the bear. And that might be how you feel, Brother Paul, uh, at that musical recital. The intimidating nature of it maybe could be on the level of wrestling with a bear or a lion. But in order to have that kind of God confidence, to, 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 to say, I'm sick of this giant defying our God, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to leave your comfort zone. All right, that's the first idea. Here's the second idea. You've got to learn contentment. So cultivating confidence requires leaving your comfort zone. But then secondly, you've got to learn contentment. The Apostle Paul, in the midst of all of this, he has an abiding confidence, even though he also has fluctuating circumstances. Now think about that with me for just a minute. He has an abiding confidence, even though he's had fluctuating circumstances. Why? Because in the midst of the fluctuating circumstances, he has learned contentment. And I hope you see that here in this verse. I mean, he says in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And then he describes some of the different states he has been in. I know both how to abound, I'm sorry, how to be abased, and I know how to abound. So it's, it's fluctuating circumstances. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Life has taught him by the Spirit of God, life circumstances has taught the Apostle Paul contentment. And listen, there is a measure of confidence, as I alluded to in part one of this series, there is a measure of confidence to be found in the 
the positive things of life, like your credentials, a measure of confidence to be found in your connections, a, a measure of confidence to be found in your competence, your cash, your comfortable circumstances. But if all of that is taken away from you, and be assured, all of that can be taken away from you. If, all, if, if that's where your confidence is rooted, and then it's all taken away from you, you not only have lost all that stuff, but then you have also lost your confidence. Your confidence must be grounded in contentment. And he has learned throughout the mountains and valleys, the fluctuating circumstances of life, he has learned contentment. And specifically, it's contentment that is found in Christ. Now that doesn't seem super helpful to so many. It almost sounds like I just said something religiously cliche. And if that's true, then the problem is that so many Christians today are not satisfied with Christ. Now, I'll only be satisfied if I have the money, if I have the comfortable circumstance, if I have the credentials, if I have the competency. Dear Christian, are you content with all that Christ is? Because, are you? Would you say amen if you are? I mean, because all that other stuff can be taken away from you, but Christ can never be taken away from you. I mean, once you're in God's hand, no man can pluck you out. John chapter 10, verse number 28. And be confident, Philippians 1, 6, of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And don't forget Romans 8, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Content in Christ even when the bank account is at zero, even when the health calamity is real, he has learned in whatsoever state to be content. How do I learn contentment? It's by embracing these fluctuating circumstances. The fluctuating circumstances of life are in one way a necessary evil as far as spiritual development goes. I mean, you've got to have the fluctuating circumstances if you're going to grow in Christ. It's a principle not just taught in this text, but also taught in uh, James chapter 1. I read you these familiar verses. Verse number 2, it says of James chapter 1, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into... Do you know the next two words? When you fall into... Yeah, it's, it's the idea of uncertain circumstances fluctuating circumstances, its various trials more specifically. Count it all joy. Why would you count it all joy? Because it is these things that can teach you contentment, which then fosters an abiding kind of confidence. Uh, these diverse temptations, knowing this, it says, and again, the idea of knowing some things, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience, we're talking about spiritual development here. Uh, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible and you happen to turn to James chapter 1, right after those two words in verse number 4, you could write the word contentment. Wanting nothing, because after all, 
I have learned, I have grown spiritually. The, the, the trials, the diverse temptations have been a part of my spiritual development. I mean, it hurt and it was unexpected and I, I, I literally, unexpected, I literally never saw it coming. And yet, the idea of all things working together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. I mean, it was painful and you've gone through it, but now you see how those things have worked together for good. And there's value in that. And when your mind is right in relationship to these things and your spirit is right, these fluctuating circumstances will cultivate confidence and it will specifically be an abiding kind of confidence. And I know in the moment these things seem grievous, and yet they can yield that peaceable fruit described in Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm suggesting among that peaceable fruit is this idea of heaven-sent, God-enabled confidence. And verse number 13 is the verse I said that describes confidence so well. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The all things there is in relationship to the fluctuating circumstances that he just described in verse number 12. Um, the all things. I, I, I know how to be abased and how to abound. I mean, uh, uh, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, I am content because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How do I learn contentment? By embracing the fluctuating circumstances of this temporal life. All right, here's the third idea. How can you cultivate confidence? The third idea, well, it requires a can-do mindset. It requires leaning into a can-do mindset. Um, and that's what's in view in verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. As opposed to those times when you're intimidated by a circumstance and most people that lack confidence, what do they say? They say... I can't do it. And Paul is in the midst of an intimidating circumstance, and yet he is saying, I can do it. Lean into it is, is because it is a deliberate choice on your part uh, to flex that mental muscle known as confidence. Um, and, and please understand that confidence doesn't obliterate... Let me say it this way. We were just in point two talking about contentment. And contentment doesn't obliterate ambition. So think that through with me for just a minute. Oh, I'm content. And sometimes people think content means stagnant, as if it has eradicated their ambition. I'm suggesting you have to lean into a can-do mindset. Contentment shouldn't obliterate ambition, because after all, I can do as opposed to when you're insecure, intimidated by life circumstances, saying, I can't do these things. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing to these Philippian believers, he has a heart of ambition. I mean, after all, if you go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 25, the Bible says this, and having this confidence, and then this idea of knowledge again, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. He has a measure of confidence that he's going to get out of Roman prison. A measure of confidence that, I mean, ambition. He wants to go and see them. 
He has ambition because he wants to be with them. He also is representing an I can kind of spirit because he wants to shepherd them. I mean, he's not, he's not just sitting stagnant. He's penning inspired words and pastoring people that he loves very much. It's an I can kind of spirit. He's showing a measure of ambition. So it is a mindset. It is flexing your mental muscle. Confidence is a mental muscle and you have to flex it. Uh, It's similar to to putting on clothes or apparel, some kind of garb. You put it on when the situation requires it. I'm saying you should adorn your mind with an I can do kind of spirit. And then this fourth and final idea is in relationship to the rest of the verse, verse number 13, through Christ which strengtheneth me. Cultivating a God confidence requires living for a cause that's greater than yourself. So you've got to ask yourself a question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I want to be confident in the midst of this circumstance or that? I mean, the question why, the, the, the idea of the motive behind the thing, it really matters. It's really the difference between David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Um, is it about the Lord uh, and, and confidently defending uh, the God of, of Israel? Or is it about arrogance like Goliath? I mean, the why of the thing matters. Motive matters. I mentioned that Paul is confident uh, in Philippians 1.25, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. I mean, he's thinking about he's going he's gonna to be able to live, and, and as a result, he gives a little bit of his motive. I mean, it's a cause greater than himself. He says he wants to live, he wants to get out of jail and continue to serve them for, for their sake. For your furtherance and joy of faith, notice verse 26 if you're in Philippians 1, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So ladies and gentlemen, live for a cause greater than yourself. Ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And if you're in an intimidating circumstance and you honestly evaluate the situation of your heart, if the if the motive behind why you're doing what you're doing is pure, and it's a, a motive that pleases God, all of a sudden you can be emboldened to look a situation square in the eye, if you will. I mean, after all, Paul is saying, I'm confident in a negative circumstance, not for me, but for you, Philippian believers. It's not about me, it's about them. Um, and additionally, he's saying, uh, ultimately, it's about, it's about him. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And again, I reference back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, David's greater cause was the Lord. That Philistine was defying the Lord. So previously it was about the lamb that was being stolen. And so he's going to go defend his father's sheep. He's going to go fight the lion and the bear. But now when it comes to Goliath, David is giving his why. He's saying, my God is being ridiculed. He's living for a greater cause. And remember young T. 
teenage David didn't have the helmet of brass. He wasn't armed with, with a coat of mail. He didn't have the brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. Young David didn't have a spear like a weaver's beam and he didn't have a fancy shield. If you have all those things and you're going to battle, those things would make you confident. They'd make you feel secure. They would embolden you. You've got uh, coverage and you've got uh, weapons. You've got defensive gear and you've got offensive gear. David didn't have any of that. And yet his confidence was certainly abiding because he was living for a greater cause. His cause was the Lord. And it was the Lord that delivered me, David said, out of the mouth, out of the, the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. And David says, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. It's, it's confident because he's living for something bigger than himself. It's confidence, not arrogance. So, so when you are faced with something that is intimidating, whether it's singing or it's speaking or it's sports, or it's some kind of academic study, make sure you, you do it all for all the right reasons. Make sure you do it for his glory. Make sure you do it for him. Whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Do it all in his strength. I'm suggesting that if you will leave your comfort zone and if you'll learn contentment, and if you'll lean into a can-do mindset and flex that mental muscle, and then you live for a cause greater than yourself, this is how you'll cultivate confidence in the midst of fluctuating circumstances. Face whatever you're going to face, all for the glory of God. Do it in a way that represents Him well. Christian people, we ought to be the boldest people on the planet because of him and because of what we know about him. Go ahead and stand with me, please, if you would.